Well, good morning, Cross Point Church. It is great to see you here this morning. How many are you excited about being here today? Amen. I just got to tell you, this is one of the highlights of my week is just being able to just come and see you guys on Sunday morning. Uh, I, I know I don't get a chance to shake every hand. I do my best, and it's just uh, it's so wonderful, though, to see our faith family gathering here week, in, uh, week after week and just uh, coming together to celebrate Jesus and celebrate all the great things that God's doing here in this place. If you're a guest with us here today, we're excited that you're here. We're glad that you're here to join us in a time of worship. Uh, God's doing a lot of incredible things in the life of the church, and we couldn't be more excited about it. I know that uh, Michael came up earlier and just celebrated, you know, some life change that we've seen over the last couple of weeks uh, with, with salvations and people just rededicating their life to the Lord and baptisms, but also celebrating uh, a new home that one day we're going to move into, and it, it looks like it's, it's starting to pick up steam down there on the, the work site, and so just a lot of things to be excited about, and a lot of things to celebrate, and a lot of things to be just prayerfully uh, thanking God for, and I know I am, and I, I know that you are as well. Um, before we pray this morning, I do want to say this. I, I just feel like I just need to sort of lay this out there before we pray you know, one of the things that we've noticed, and, and I know that you can't be uh, unaware of this taking place in our country today, but there just seems to be so much conflict and so much uh, just turmoil in the life of our, our country. And uh, there's a lot of division, a lot of uh, hurting people, a lot of people that are uh, fearful, a lot of people that are just uncertain about the things uh, going on in our, our world today. And you know, one of the things that you begin to notice as you see all the news reports and you, you see the things being posted on social media and the other uh, means of, of just hearing of current events uh, in our worlds today, uh, one of the things that you begin to notice, and it's sort of a sad reality to me, is that there seems to be a line drawn in the sand and people are picking sides on which side they're going to land. And, you know, as I've been prayerfully thinking about that and thinking about how we as a church can can pray about all that we see in our nation today, I was reminded of, of something that Jesus said in his Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5, in what we would call the Beatitudes, where, where Jesus says these very powerful words. He says uh, to the church, he says to his disciples, he says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. And I think about that reality and I think about the temptation that we have to pick a side and the reality of everything that this world is going through and the, the conflict that we face on a daily basis. And I just want to say this as we prepare to pray. Let us pray that, that God would help us be the peacemakers in a world of conflict. Let us pray that, that God would help us not to choose a side based off of politics or alignment of beliefs, but rather to choose the only side that matters, and that is to stand with Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. And so let us take to heart uh, these words that Jesus once said. When, and as we pray, just pray that God would help us to be peacemakers. Because before there's ever going to be conflict resolution, there's got to be peace. And, uh, and I know our world is, is just struggling. Let us pray for our, our government leaders and, and everybody involved. There's just so many things happening in our world today. So let's pray. Uh, and, and ask God to do that and prepare our hearts for the message today. Pray with me if you will. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit of God, Lord, we do thank you for so many things that we see you doing in the life of our church. God, we thank you for the salvations. We thank you for 
uh, life transformation. We thank you for discipleship. We thank you for uh, people choosing to follow in obedience to salvation with uh, baptism. And God, just the many different ways that you're impacting the life of the church today. But Father, we are a faith family. God, we are, we are all one as a body of, of believers who have been brought together for a unique purpose, and that is to, to impact our community and beyond for your glory. And Father, I pray that as we think about the current events that's taking place in our world today, that God, we would be prayerfully considering how we can be peacemakers, God, in, in such uh, troubling times for our country. Father, I pray that today as we think about uh, our next steps as believers in Christ Jesus, that we would recognize the need to not remain in a place where we might self-identify ourselves as spiritual babes, but rather, God, to grow and mature as maturing disciples, learning to trust you and to lean upon you and to, to, to be obedient to you in your calling that you have given us as children of God. Lord, we thank you for your presence in this place. We thank you for the times of worship that we have had already. And Lord, as we move into a time where we are worshiping you through the reading and the preaching of your word, knowing that, Lord, your word never returns void, God, we pray that you would speak deeply into our hearts. And God, that we would grow as disciples of Jesus Christ. Father, we recognize that your word teaches us to mature to grow spiritually, to understand, and to be wise. And so, Father, help us in being that. Help us to, uh, to grow and to mature as you would have us to do. Lord, we recognize that all of that is only going to take place through the sanctifying work of your Holy Spirit in our life. And so, Father, be with us today as we dive into your word. And God, we love you and praise you and thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Over the last couple of weeks, we've been marching through this series that we launched called Synergy, and it's talking about the life of the church coming together for a greater impact than we could ever make on our own. And over the last couple of weeks, we, we talked about some very uh, sort of surface-level spiritual things. We talked about how uh, it, it vitally, imp vitally important it is for, for us as humanity to know Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is our hope. And so it begins, if, you, if you're going to walk with the church, it begins with salvation. It begins with knowing Christ Jesus and believing in Him and having faith in Him and being saved by His grace through that faith. And so that's the starting point. Last week we moved into talking about the realities that as believers in Christ Jesus, we are called not only to love God with all that we are, with our heart, with our soul, with our mind, with every being of our fi every fiber of our being, but the reality is that we are called not only to love God, but to love people. And so last week, we, we talked about those things, and, and those, are the, those are the very starting places for any disciple of Jesus Christ. But what we notice as we read through Scripture is the reality that Scripture itself challenges us to mature as believers in Christ Jesus, knowing that the Holy Spirit sanctifying us is going to bring us the greatest spiritual growth in our life. And in fact, we can't do it without His presence in our life. But also knowing that we have to 
make a decision to grow in wisdom and understanding of who he is and to mature through discipleship. And so over the next few weeks, we're going to be looking at some characteristics uh, of, of what it means to be a mature believer in Christ Jesus. The scriptures challenge us to grow in our faith. In fact, in 1 Corinthians, Paul lays out what we as, as a leadership team often refer to as a discipleship pathway, where an individual moves from a spiritual babe to a maturing disciple to a multiplying leader and ultimately a co-laborer for the gospel. And so this is spelled out by the Apostle Paul in his writings as he talks about the reality that we should grow as, as disciples. But what we also see is that other passages of Scripture speak into this, and in fact, Scripture instructs us, or you could say commands us, to grow as a believer. In 2 Peter chapter 3, it says, Take care that you are not carried away with the error of lawless people and lose your own stability, but look at this, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus and say, or our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so here we're, we, we see where Scripture literally commands us to mature in our faith. And so we're going to look at some of these different uh, characteristics of a spiritual believer. And today what we're going to start with is, is this one. We're going to look at what it means to trust in God. So the, the message to, today is titled simply, Trust. Okay, And we're going to be going to a passage in Proverbs chapter 3. Go ahead and turn there in your Bibles, if you will. Proverbs chapter 3, looking at verses 5 through 10. You know, there's, there's one thing to, to say that I believe in God or say I have faith in, in Jesus, but it's another thing to trust in Him. And the reality of it is, is that probably if all of us in here are honest with ourselves, we would say there are times in our life where we have a really difficult time trusting in God. We don't disbelieve God. We don't believe that he, we don't get to a place where we refuse to believe that he exists. But oftentimes in our life, we, we find it very difficult to trust God. But the Bible speaks a lot about the need for us, especially as we mature in our faith, to come to a place where we trust in a holy and righteous God with our life. There are so many ways in our life where we, where we uh, fear and we just so many ways in our life where we allow ourselves to become unraveled by the things and the circumstances in our life. But God's Word challenges us to trust in Him. And so this morning we're going to be looking at that. Uh, I want to offer a little bit of background as we go into Proverbs here this morning, Old Testament uh, book. As we look at this, you know, one of the things we realize is that King Solomon is the, uh, he's the primary writer of, of Proverbs. He wrote most of this, and it was written around 900 years before Jesus came on the scene. And one of the things that we notice as we look into Proverbs is that there's no particular plot, and there's no real main character as you read through it. It doesn't read like a narrative that we see in other writings throughout Scripture. It just seems like it just offers a bit of advice, and then it moves on to something else. But there is something that takes center stage as you begin to read through the book of Proverbs. And that that takes center stage is wisdom. And so there's this idea that as believers in Christ Jesus, we are called to be wise. We are called to be wise and have wisdom as we live out our life. And that's one of the reasons why we are turning today 
to Proverbs. You know, I was thinking about knowledge and understanding and, and wisdom and all these words, and I, I, I looked up uh, uh, some different meanings on knowledge and wisdom, and one of the things I came across was this, uh, this saying that knowledge is nothing more than an accumulation of raw facts, but wisdom is the ability to see people, events, and situations as God sees them. And so I would pray that we would go beyond just being people who seek to understand the raw facts, that we would go beyond people who just simply want to know intellectually the things of God, but that we would want to have the capability of seeing life's events and seeing people and seeing the things that we need to see in this world through the eyes of God as we pursue life. And so here we're looking at a text that deals with the issue of trust or trusting in God. And that's what we're going to be studying here as we dive into this text. So read with me, if you will, Proverbs chapter 3, starting with verse 5. God's Word says this. It says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes, fear the Lord, and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. Verse 9, honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. And then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with, with wine. Now when I read this passage uh, there, there's something, a, a thought that comes to mind, and I think it's very interesting to me because I, I look at this, and, and there's, you know, obviously this is a very familiar passage to us, at least the beginning of this passage. But I look at this, and there's a thought that sort of emerges, and that I sort of, am, sort of gravitate to, and it's this: let go and let God. Let go and let God. Let me let me just say this real quickly. I'm not talking about as believers in Christ Jesus just being irresponsible in life, just letting go of every responsibility we have. I'm not talking about that, but I'm talking about how life circumstances affect our emotions and how life's circumstances affect who we are internally as disciples of Jesus Christ. This is what this passage is speaking about. It's about trusting in God. And there are so many things in our world today, so many things in our lives that would cause great anxiety or worry or cause us to fear when there's really no need in it because we have a trust in God. Or we could say, do we have a trust in God? But the reality is, as we look at this passage, we begin to realize there's so many things that frustrate us in this world. There are so many things that worry us in this world or cause us fear. For so many of us, it's just life in general. You know, I was talking to someone recently, and I said, what is the one thing that worries you the most? And they said, my life. And I'm like, well, that's everything. Be more specific. And they said, that's as specific as I can be, because it's every aspect of my life. And, uh, you know, it was, just, it was just one thing as they were thinking about their life. There was just everything about their life just causes, caused them to worry. But the reality is, is that as we look into this text, we begin to realize that this is speaking into our life uh, in general. Uh, you know, I think about so many of us that, that worry about our children. You know, I, my, parent, my, my children are grown, and 
They're married now and they're living on their own and there's not a day that goes by that I don't think about them and I'm concerned for them and oftentimes I find myself worrying for them but there's one thing I've come to learn is I've got to trust the Lord with their life. I've got to let go and let God let him do his thing because the reality is I will drive myself nuts worrying about my children and now my grandchildren. And so there's oftentimes things that, that we, we have going on in our life that if we're not careful will take us to places where we just lose control and that's not God's design for his children. So our text begins to answer some questions for us. It begins to deal with some of these things that we may be struggling with in life. And, and one of the things that I begin to realize as I looked at this, our text begins with this thought, if you will, to trust God with your journey. Trust God with your journey. That would certainly address those who think, man, my whole life is just so uncertain, and I'm, I worry about things in life. But here we see this passage really begin to speak into this idea that as we journey with God in life, that we need to trust Him with our life. You know, I think one of the most descriptive ways to think about our life as a Christian is thinking about it in terms of it being a journey. In fact, we see this imagery all throughout Scripture. You know, when, when the Israelites were, were taken from, from Egypt and they, they, they went and headed out into the wilderness seeking the promised land, when God was leading them out, what we see in that narrative is that God's people journeyed with Him for the next 40 years. They would wander in the desert and there would be times in their life where they were obedient and there would be times in their life when they were disobedient. But the reality is they were journeying with God all the way through that process. When we look into the life of Abraham, we see a man who God called to leave his homeland, to leave his kinfolk, to leave everything that was comfortable to him in his life, and to journey with him to a place he didn't even know anything about. And so he was going out, totally trusting in God. He was going out, not knowing where he was going, but being led by God. And so we see this imagery of a man and his family that journeyed with God. As we look into the New Testament, we see this same imagery being played out. The Apostle Paul often, often spoke of the missionary journeys that he was on. And as he journeyed uh, on these journeys, he often spoke about being led by the Holy Spirit of God, that God was walking with him, that he was on a journey with God. And oftentimes, he even spoke of how the Holy Spirit of God would often allow him to go here or push him in this direction or even hold him back from going to places he thought he might go. But the reality is we see this imagery of a journey. Oftentimes in the New Testament, Christians are sort of described as sojourners or travelers who are seeking, who are traveling, who are journeying with God as they seek the new Jerusalem. And so we see this imagery in Scripture. And I believe one of the, the greatest things that we can understand about looking at our walk with Christ or our Christian faith as a journey is realizing that when we journey, we don't journey alone. But here, the text is, is going to dive into this issue of thinking about our faith as a journey and realizing that we can indeed trust God with our journey. Look at verse 5 and 6 with me. The scripture says this, trust in the Lord with all your heart. 
Now last week we were looking at a passage of Scripture that said what? Love God with all of your heart. In fact, it said love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And so we see that there's a grand need to love God with every fiber of our being. And now we see as we begin to love God and love people and we begin this journey with God that there's a great need for us to also trust God as we journey with Him. And so here we see this sort of spilling over into this idea of trusting in the Lord with all of your heart. Don't just trust Him a little bit. Don't just say that you trust Him, but trust Him with all of your heart, with every fiber of your being. Trust in the Lord God. And then He says this, and do not lean on your own understanding. And so He carries it even further. He says, listen, trust God not just when it makes sense, but even in times when it doesn't make any sense. Trust in God with all that you are. I don't have to ask you to raise your hand to know that every single one of us in this room have been through times in our life where it didn't make sense, right? Amen? Being in a place in our life where circumstances, we, we wonder, why is this happening to me? What is going on in my life? Has God abandoned me? There are so many things that come up in our minds as we think about life circumstances, and oftentimes we don't even think it's fair, and reason can't explain it. We just don't know why this is going on, and yet the Scriptures say, trust God even when it doesn't make sense. Trust God with all your heart even if you don't understand it. And so here the Word of God teaching us as we mature as a believer in Christ Jesus, the, the need to trust in the Lord with all of our heart, lean not on your own understanding. And then I love this. He says, in all of your ways, acknowledge Him. Acknowledge Him how? As someone whom we can trust. As someone whom is faithful. As someone who we can lean upon, who will never let us down. How many of you agree that our Lord, our God, will never let us down. How many of you agree with me on that? He will never let us down. He is always faithful. That's what we acknowledge about Him. Now look at what it says here. Then it says, it says acknowledge Him and He will make straight your what? Your path. You see, as you, if you're on a journey, you're at least if you're walking, there's a path. You could say if you're driving, there's a road. Back in their day, they were walking mostly, so there was a path. Even when it doesn't make sense, even when you have no idea where you're going, you can trust in the Lord because He will make straight your path. Back in my early 20s, I took up backpacking. As a kid, I'd love camping always loved just getting out and, and, and camping and doing that sort of thing. But in my early 20s, I, I started backpacking. And it wasn't long after I started doing that that I discovered this thing called the Appalachian Trail. I know many of you are aware of the Appalachian Trail, especially if you backpack. You would know this particular trail. But its trail, it runs from Georgia all the way to Maine. It's 2,180 miles. And as a young man, I discovered this trail, and I just kind of fell in love with hiking the, the Appalachian Trail. I just love getting out and the isolation that came with it, hiking through those mountains. And, and so I sort of made this decision one day that I would take different sections of the AT, that's what they call it, the AT, the Appalachian Trail. I would take different sections and I would hike them 
and that one day I would ultimately complete this whole 2,180 miles. Today I only have about 700 miles. I don't know if I'm going to make it. I'm getting kind of old and it's hard to walk. But, but the reality is uh, I, I set out on this path, uh, this course, this journey to accomplish this in my life. And one year I was up in the mountains and it was in the dead of the winter and uh, it started snowing about the time I was getting ready to go to sleep for the night. And, 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 and so I, I, I was watching it. I was thinking how beautiful this snow was as it fell. The next morning I woke up to 18 inches of snow on the ground. And in fact, it looked as though the whole entire earth had been covered with snow. I mean, you would step in some places and it would be two feet or three feet deep in the drifts. And, and, and I thought, how beautiful is this? Until I realized I couldn't see the path. I was 20 miles from my truck, and I had about 20 more miles to go. And I was wondering, I don't even know where to go. I don't know if I need to go north, south, east, or west. I don't want to fall off a mountain. I mean, I was sitting there contemplating, how am I going to leave this spot? I can't see where I came in. I can't see where I'm supposed to go. And then I remembered one of the distinguishing marks that we find along the Appalachian Trail. You see, the path is not just simply a path, but it's marked on trees about every hundred yards, a white blaze. It's a vertical rectangle that's painted on a tree. And I remembered that, those distinguishing marks. I didn't have to see the path because I could see the blazes on the trees. And I began to walk out of there until ultimately coming to my truck a few days later, by following white blazes, never being able to see the path. As I think about the Christian journey, I think about the reality that oftentimes we're so concerned with, God, where's the path? If I don't see the path, I don't want to take a step. Instead of trusting in the Lord and knowing that He will make straight our path, that He will carry us along our journey, and that we don't have to know everything about our journey to get to where we're going, or better yet, where He wants us to go. The Word of God challenges us to trust in Him. And it really is as simple as that. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not upon your own understanding. I love what we see in Psalm 32, verse 8. It says this, I will instruct you and teach you the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. I don't know about you, but that, that, that verse right there brought me great comfort years ago. When as a, as a young believer, I really struggled with, I was sort of like, God, I I'm, I'm kind of want to know before I go. And, and God was like, I've got you on a need-to-know basis, buddy. You know? I'll teach you as we go, but you may not know till we get there. And I tell you, it takes a lot of trust to trust in God, not knowing where you're going. But that's what Scripture calls us to do. Oftentimes in our life, we don't have the answers. And here, word, uh, wise words from Solomon says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Here's another thing that we see from the passage here. As we look, the Scripture instructs us to, to trust God with your finances as well. To trust God with our finances. I looked at that and I wondered, I wondered why God would bring finances into the fold when he's talking about trusting him with all of our heart. And it's because I think, I, I, this is at least where I sort of uh, landed myself. Uh, maybe you can confirm this with your life. But oftentimes, isn't our finances what we desperately want to hold on to and not trust God with? You know, I think maybe he knew that about us. I don't know when this was written. 
But one of the very specific things that's mentioned here is our finances, our wealth. And we see here in verse 9 where it says this, Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of your produce. You know, all throughout Scripture, in both the Old Testament and the New Testament, we're challenged and instructed as, as believers or followers of Christ Jesus to be people of generosity, to even come together and to bring our resources together to make a greater impact on our community, all for the glory of God. And so we know that that's a part of it, but I love what I see here in this passage as we look at this. Honor the Lord with your wealth, and look at this, and with, he says, the first fruits of your produce. So it's not just be people of generosity, but he says, honor the Lord. In other words, honor, you know, bring glory to God through giving of your first fruits. And as I looked at that, I wondered, well, what has that got to do with, with trusting God? And I began to realize that when we give from the first fruits, in other words, when we give before all the bills are paid, when we give at the beginning, at the onset of our, uh, of our giving, that it, that takes a lot more trusting of God when we're giving it away than it does when we give out of our abundance. You see, there's really only two ways we give. We can give at the onset with our first fruits, or we can wait till we've paid all the bills and we've done everything else we want to do to have fun, and then we can give him the leftovers. But what we see here is that it takes a lot more trusting of God to give at the beginning than it does at the end. In fact, Jesus best illustrated this when he encountered the widow giving her two mites in the temple. You remember the story? He's talking to Jesus, he's talking to his disciples, and he points out a poor widow woman who is giving, and Jesus brings this woman to their attention. He says, I want you to look at something. This is a beautiful example of someone who is giving their all, and he says, so often people give from their abundance what's left over, but this lady, she honors God by giving everything she has. And so that's the same sort of thing that we see here in this text as we look at this. As a faith family, we're called to give and, 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 and capably carry out the mission that Christ has given for us. But how are we giving? How are we honoring God? How are we trusting God with our finances? Are we letting go and letting God? Or are we hanging on to see how things work out and sort of giving Him the leftovers of what we have left? You know, we see in Acts 20, verse 35, these words, it says, In all things I have shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. If we're going to honor God with our finances, then it's going to have to begin when we begin to trust God with our finances. But finally, I want to offer this, this thought. And this is where the text sort of winds up today. Not only are we to, to trust God with our journey and trust God with our finances, we also see that we are to trust God with our future. To trust God with our future. You know, this is probably one of the hardest things that we can do because the future is one of those things that we know nothing about a lot of times, right? It's so often the hardest thing to really understand. We certainly can't see into the future Hindsight's 2020, but looking ahead is almost impossible. And what we see here is sort of a sum of what this whole text is talking about. Remember what he says at the beginning trust God with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. 
And so as we think about our future, knowing that we don't know what lies ahead oftentimes in our life, we must still trust Him as we journey with Him and as we give of our finances, all this as we move forward as the people of God coming together for the mission of God, as we do all of this, we must trust God. And I love how he, he sort of lays on us the promises of God to sort of help us to understand the need to trust. He says in verse 10, he says, then. In other words, it's conditional on what? On us trusting God. He says, trust God with all your heart. Be obedient and trusting God. And then your barns will be filled with plenty. And your vats will be bursting with wine. What this verse speaks of is a future promise that God will be a God of provision, God will be a God of our needs, He will be a God who takes care of us as we journey with Him and we trust in Him despite our own understanding. It is a promise of blessing that follows obedience and trusting God. It's God's way of saying, trust me with your future. I mentioned Abraham earlier in the message, and I want to sort of wrap up with this. But I talked about how Abraham had left a place that was very comfortable. I talked about how Abraham had left his hometown and his, his people. He left them because God had simply told him to go. I want to sort of wrap up the message here this morning by looking at this text for just a moment because I think it's so powerful for us to hear and to understand. If you will, look with me at Genesis chapter 12, starting with verse 1 through verse 4. This is the Lord speaking to Abraham, and He says these words. Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to a land that I will show you. Now think about this. Think about what just happened. God says, Abraham, I want you to go to a place that I'm going to show you. He doesn't show him here. He says, I'm going to show you. When we get there, I'm going to show you. He says, but what I want you to do is I want you to go. Now let's keep reading here. In verse 2 it says, and I will make you a great nation. And I will bless you and make your name great. These are all future promises of blessing. And he says, I will make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and to him who dishonors you I will curse. And in all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And then it says here in verse 4, So Abraham, or Abram, he went as the Lord had told him. And Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. You know, it's pretty easy for a young man just getting started in life to sort of uproot and head out, isn't it? Not always easy. I know a lot of young people who struggle with that. But it's easier. One of the most powerful things to me in this passage, this story, is that he was 75 years old when he left. God says to Abraham, 
I want to take you somewhere. I want to, I want to journey with you. I want to take you on a trip, Abram, to a place that you've never been. You don't know where, what's there. You don't know what you're going to find. I'll show you when we get there. But I want you to go with me, Abraham. I want you to go with me. I want you to leave what's comfortable. I want you to leave what you know is normal. I want you to pack up your immediate family. And I want you to just, just go out into the wilderness, into the unknown. Why? Because I want to bless you. And we don't see a response like this. But God, what if we, what if we don't make it? Well, God, what if we run out of money? Well, God, how are we going to eat? How are we going to... We don't see that sort of response. We don't see a response like, Lord, don't you realize I'm 75 years old and I'm thinking about retirement right now? We see a man who the Scriptures revealed to us that he heard the voice of God and he trusted him, and he went out. I look at this text, and I don't think that for one moment he was doing it because he thought that there would be great financial reward. I think he left because he believed in God, but more than believing in God, he trusted in God. And if God said go, then all he knew that he could do as a child of God is to go. How do we get to that kind of faith? How do we have that kind of ability to trust in God when God speaks into our life? How do we find the strength to trust in God when circumstances in our life just scream defeat? How do we have the ability to trust in God when we lose someone whom we love? How do we find the ability to trust in God when our finances are in shambles? How do we find the strength to trust in God when there's very little faith? I don't know that I have a real clear, cut, dry answer for you on that. I'm still working on it myself. But I know that what the Scriptures teach us is that to be obedient to who I am, as a follower of Christ Jesus, I am to trust. And what I see in Scripture are times where people who found it themselves unable to trust, they turn to Jesus Christ and they ask Him to help with their unbelief. There's a story found in Mark chapter 9 where Jesus is there ministering to the community and the people bring, this father in desperate need brings a child who is sick. Scriptures teach us that he has an unclean spirit. And he lays him, this boy, at Jesus' feet and the boy begins to convulse. And the father says to Jesus what most all of us as parents would probably say to Jesus God, if you can do something with this, Jesus, if you can do something to help my boy, then please help us. 
But did you hear what the man said? He said, Jesus, if you can help us. And then Jesus' response is, if I can help you. Wait a minute, don't you believe that I can help you? Don't you believe that and trust that I can help you? you? You say, if you can help us. And what Jesus says is, I know I can help you. And suddenly the reaction of the Father is one of the most transparent things that we see in Scripture where He looks to Jesus and He says with all earnest, I believe. I believe. Save my son. I believe. But then He says this, but help me with my unbelief. I think that's the place where so many Christians live their life these days. We believe, but we don't believe. We trust, but we don't trust. We, we try really hard. And I think one of the greatest things that we can do to learn to trust God more is to turn to Jesus with such transparency that we say, God, I acknowledge that I find it very difficult sometimes to trust in you. I know, God, that you're my Savior. I know that you're my wonderful counselor. I know that you're the Prince of Peace. I know that you're the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I know that you are the Almighty God. I know all of this about you, but help me with my disbelief. Help me with my doubting. Help me with not trusting in you the way I should trust in you. I don't know about you this morning, but I know that when I find myself not trusting in God, it's when I find myself going crazy inside. But the moments in my life when I have trusted in God, I have experienced what the Bible refers to as a peace that surpasses all understanding. And I know that I am only capable of experiencing that in the fellowship of the Holy Spirit of God within my life. In the fellowship of my Savior, Jesus Christ. So what do we do? How do we trust? How do we get to a place in our life as believers? We move from the shallows. and We move into deeper waters. And we're not just simply a believer in Jesus, but we're someone who truly does learn how to trust in the Holy Spirit. Spirit of God in our life, we acknowledge and we pray and we ask God to help us to trust even more. In just a moment, I'm going to pray for us and then our band's going to come up and I just want to challenge you to, to respond to God in whatever way God's calling you to respond. This altar is a wonderful place to come and to spend time with God, to, to be transparent with God as we come here and we lay it on the altar and we say, God, I struggle with this. Or maybe we have friends and relatives who we know are struggling with knowing God and trusting in God in their life. And this altar is a beautiful place to just come and lay them before a holy and righteous God that can do something about their lives. Maybe for you this morning, what you need is to speak to someone. Our pastors are down front. I'll be down here on the front row. We are here for you. Even after the service ends, in this door to my left and your right, we will be here waiting to do ministry with you if the need arises. But let us not walk out of here today 
not knowing the truth that we are called as children of God to trust God with all of our heart and lean not on our own understanding. Let us deal with this issue today that we may mature as believers moving out of the shallows and into deeper waters. Let's pray. Father, we are thankful for your grace. We're thankful for your love, for your mercy. God, we are thankful for your presence in our life. And Lord, we acknowledge that so often in our life, when we know that you are speaking into our hearts, that our response is too many times, but God, what if? Or how? Or God, show me the way before I go. Father, I pray that for each and every one of us, for every single one of us, God, that we would come to a place where, God, just simply hearing from you would be enough. To where we could trust you. To trust you with our lives and say, God, we are yours. God, help us to be the people of God who believe in you. Father, we pray that you help us with our unbelief. We pray that you help us when we do not trust. God, that you lead us and guide us in such a way that we can only recognize your presence in our life as we journey through this life with you. God, we love you so much. Lord, we need you so much. And God, I pray that today we would respond to that in whatever way you're calling us to respond. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.